What a great way to wake up. With a cup of logic, reason, and common sense. Welcome to the Independence Morning View. Let's get to it. Good morning to you wherever you are in the world. I'm Johnny Anderson. I'm joined this morning by Bruce Adams. Good morning, Bruce. How are you this morning? Good morning. Uh, healthy and alive. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I'm all right. I'm doing okay. It's been a lot. La- you know what? I, the last couple of days have been like this cloudy, rainy, gloomy mess. You know that like that just it's the middle of July, right? Give me the heat. Give me the sun. Mm-hmm. Give me all that stuff. I understand we need rain, but give, give me some hot summer weather. G- give me some of that stuff. And we just don't have it. So, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. I'll trade you. Fine. Yeah, I'm good with it. <laughs> Send it on over. Yeah. We got GP coming up to later on this afternoon. He's going to be with us. We're going to be talking some COVID stuff. We're going to be talking about what these governors are doing as far as uh, ordering businesses to close, what churches are doing to push back on it uh, and things of that nature. We're also going to talk about I think you and I have a free speech conversation we need to have, don't we? Mm, yes. As it relates to and yeah, we're going to mix in some sports and stuff like that in with it, because I mean, the, the recent banning of the Confederate flag at NASCAR events and, you know, it's regardless of whatever you think of that. I mean, it's it's a business at the end of the day. Mm, right. Uh, there's that. We'll, we'll talk about also the national anthem uh, issue that's going to be cropping up with the um, uh, the new NFL season that's going to be uh, set to debut here soon. So there's that. But anyway, we will do that later on this afternoon. But what do we have this morning? Senator Tom Cotton. Do you remember him? I told you. And I I like this guy. I I like this guy. Mm -hmm. Right. Republican senator from Arkansas. He's going to travel to the first in the nation presidential primary state of New Hampshire later this month. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? This is speculation at this point. But I've been saying here for a while, the way this guy is setting himself, the the way that this guy, it's almost like he's being put in, in a placeholder. The interviews he's giving, the way he's talking, the way he's behaving. It leads me to believe, and you know, we we look into politics, we follow politics, we we follow all this stuff. With him behaving the way he is, it's leading me to believe that he's probably going to make a run in 2024. That's my guess. You had the Washington Post come out a couple of weeks ago and write an op-ed piece on him talking about how he was China's worst nightmare. Well, he is. He's just as bad as Trump, if not worse, when it comes to China. Now, they're saying that uh, that he could uh, he could make a run. It says here that Senator Cotton will headline the Hillsborough County GOP's Lincoln Reagan dinner on July 31st. The event is a major fundraiser for Republicans in the state's most populous county. It was originally scheduled for May 1st, but postponed due to the virus, blah, blah, blah. But his advisor, one of his advisors said that he's traveling to New Hampshire to support New Hampshire Republicans to help expand majority in the United States Senate uh, and to assist the president in winning the state of New Hampshire in the presidential election, which that's that's pretty that's that's heavy Democrat territory up there. So uh, if it is. And so if they can uh, if they can get some support up there and um, if the party can get some support up there. But you know what? At the end of the day, I, I have to say, as a person who believes in ideas, I make my decision at the polls and the ballot based on what someone stands for rather than what party they represent. Right. Because I voted both Democrats and Republicans and independents and libertarians, for that matter, my whole life, my whole voting life. So I vote for somebody based on what they represent, not what party they're affiliated with, because I'm just that kind of person. You know, I'm one of those crazy people that believes in ideas. I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm just one of those. But I have to say the Republican Party 
shame on them. Shame on them. You're 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 capitulating. You're spineless. You've done nothing through all this and you're continuing to do nothing. The only thing I've actually heard someone from the party come out and say, like Mitch McConnell, is it's not that complicated to wear a mask. That's the only thing I've heard any of them say. Oh, that and the uh, the ones that have turned against Trump. Yeah, that one. Uh, the GOP uh-huh, against Trump. Uh-huh. You notice what they're trying to do with all this with the RNC? Oh, yeah, we can't do that. Yeah, we're going to have to take different steps with it. Yeah, because there's a plan there as well. But nonetheless, Tom Cotton, veteran Army infantry officer. He served in Afghanistan and Iraq. He's got your typical Republican looks, right? He's a, he's a clean cut guy. He's out there in a nice press suit all the time. Uh, he gives an interview. It's a typical kind of Republican style interview, right? He's at home. He's got his two little kids in the background. Right? You can hear him screaming through the phone. And, you know, he just presents himself like he's he's one of those uh, those Republican types. But I like his stances on certain things. I like his stance on foreign policy. I like the stances that he takes about as it's relating to uh, the Iran nuclear deal. I I mean, I I like all this stuff. I like his stance on China. You know, he's he's been slamming Beijing on this whole thing with uh, with Corona since the start. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's going to he's going to go again this year for the Senate. But. It is possible. I'm saying this, right? I think he's going to make a 2024 run. I think he's going to. That's just me. Apparently, he's launched some ads of his own that have kind of taken aim at Joe Biden. So there is that. He's he's. What I'm saying is, is he's increasing his profile. What what do you think? Do do you know much about him? So I know a little bit about him. A little bit more hawkish. He's definitely aggressive towards China. And the, you know, taking action against China as far as uh, business deals and that kind of thing, uh, especially for COVID, um, which, by the way, now I, I think we're $1.4 trillion in debt to China. Um, I would be yeah, for completely canceling that. That, that needs to be canceled. Uh, yeah. That's done. yeah. Done. Now you owe us. But anyway, he's uh, I mean, he, I'm pretty sure he's physical conservative in the sense of uh, having budget and all that kind of stuff, which is rare uh, in Congress, it seems, or, uh, you know. <laughs> Either House or Senate, we only have a handful of people that are actually physical conservatives. But yeah, no, I, I think he's going to run as well. We don't really have many people that are doing what he's doing and kind of increasing their um, status, if you will. You know how much uh, exposure they're getting. And he does look like he's positioning himself uh, for that. We have a few others that I speculate are probably going to run as well. Uh, Candace Owens is one that I'm speculating is really? going to run. She seems to be positioning herself that uh, for for an election. Or, you know, running. So be great if she does. She's a great conservative yeah. so far. What yeah. I've heard from her. I think she's of age to do that. She might actually be running for. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think she would be right at the. I think she'd be right at the age requirements. Uh, she may not run that. You know, next twenty twenty four. She may run later. But yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, uh, I, I can see Cotton gunning for that seat. Yeah, so to speak. Okay. Well, yeah. Like I said, I, I like his stances on uh, on certain things. Yeah, like you said, he is a bit hawkish. And to be fair, he is one of those lone voices in Congress, along with other people like Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Rand Paul, Representative Thomas Massey. He is one of the right. minority voices on the Hill that are actually calling out the things that need to be called out. They're just not heard. Yeah. So the fact that he's willing to stand and be one of these lone voices like this, or you know. Standing on principle, those kind of people garner extra respect for me. Um, they get some, they get some, some uh, extra points. Uh, it, it seems to be very rare nowadays to have people stand up for conservative ideas and and have a backbone. Uh, a lot of Republicans are 
all talk. They they say they're going to do something and they don't do anything for those ideas or, or things they said they were going to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if he if he runs. Uh, yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned right now, if he's the only candidate for the Republicans, which obviously he's not going to be. But yeah, you would have my vote. Sure. OK, well, I, I'm really interested to see what it's going to be like to see him up there on stage, because I would actually like to see him put forth something within the next year or so. If Trump gets reelected, which right now there's a good chance that he will. But if he gets reelected, then it's going to be Cotton's responsibility, because the att- if you think the attacks the first four years are going to if you thought that was bad and Trump gets reelected, oh, boy, all hell's going to break loose. All hell's going to break mm-hmm. loose. So it's going to be on cotton to, I think, increase his profile even more. So if he can continue that, then he could probably work his way right in. So we'll, we'll see. But yes, I I do expect all this to, uh, uh, to, to, to all come on. If Trump gets reelected, I mean, it's yeah, you you ain't seen nothing yet. Okay. I don't want to get into too much Corona stuff because we're going to talk a little bit about it this afternoon. So I I don't want to get too Mm -hmm. heavy into it, but I wanted to cover this one point, just this one aspect of it this morning. Are the hospitals getting overrun? Because Miami hospitals are saying that they're at 95% capacity and you got hospitals in Texas that are supposedly being overrun, hospitals in Arizona are being overrun, but they're not, are they? So there's a big caveat with this one. Yes and no, they are being overrun. So there are a lot more patients there. This is true. However, we have to look at where the patients are coming from. Now, saying that they're at 95% capacity, and they operate at 95% capacity year-round, right? The capacity changes based on their needs, right? So it's not 90% of the maximum capacity. It's just 90% of capacity at that point. Why do you open up more than you need, right? Saves money and everything. Anyway, um, but in California's case, they're lifelighting um, patients from the border. And yes, I mean Mexican patients, not uh, not American citizens, and flying them into their hospitals. And of course, our wonderful hospitals uh, administrations are saying, well, yeah, we have COVID patients here and they're getting more government money uh, because of foreigners that they've taken across the border to treat people. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm for helping other people in other countries in their own country is what I would prefer when we're in the middle of a pandemic. You know, if we can send aid or something to them, great. But we're in the middle of a pandemic. We need to be focusing on our own people, not bringing in more cases, more potential spreading you know, yeah. But anyway, the border states, especially, they're the ones that are having problems with illegals coming across the border saying they have COVID-19 and then going through the treatments and everything. So that's one of the reasons we're seeing spikes in those regions. So the hospitals actually aren't as supposedly, and I'm doing the air quotes, overrun as CNN might be alluding to? Is that what you're saying? They, they might kind of be... Um, overstating things by a lot. Um, so, yeah. Not CNN. No, no, not. Oh, no, 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 no. They, was never, no. they, they would, would never overstate something. OK, yeah, we have some campfires on the sun. Yes. Yeah. OK, I have to admit, I have to admit, I've never heard of the actual star in the middle of our solar system referred to as having campfires on it. So what are they talking about with that? Let's let's get into some space stuff. What are they talking about with that? They're talking about miniatures solar flares, basically. Okay. I thought we were so, headed into adult minimum. So we were, we're actually looking at less solar activity. So NASA is now saying that that's stepped back up. No. So, all right. So 
here's the thing about solar flares. When we're we're talking about solar flares that are dangerous, so to speak, for our planet, these are solar flares that are ejecting large amounts of gas plasma from the sun, right? They're, they're large corona ejections, right? That That's what we're usually talking about when we talk about solar flares. What we're seeing with this is a close-up image that's showing that the sun is not like this perfectly smooth layer. It's basically, think of like your grass on your lawn, right? It kind of varies and there's little ups and downs and dips. Uh-huh. And- so what they're calling the campfires are these little ripples or, you know, what looks like flames. Honestly, it looks like flames, though the sun technically isn't on fire. It's a nuclear reaction. But anyway, nuclear fission, uh, fusion fission going on. So that's kind of what they're what they're talking about. And more or less, this is essentially we send a satellite up and this is the closest that humans have ever been to the sun and taken a photograph or a picture. Uh, I believe uh, it was this spacecraft, the Solar Orbiter, came within 47 million miles of the sun's surface. So it passed between the orbits of Venus and Mercury. Okay, so, so that's we uh, can't actually pretty, pretty doggone close. That's close. Okay, so I was about to ask, yeah. we can't get very close, can we? Like we haven't even been able to confirm that we can put anything on, or that we haven't even been able to confirm that there's any life on Mercury. That's just not possible, is it? Well. I mean, there is no life on Mercury in the sense of uh, the atmosphere. If there was an atmosphere on Mercury at one point, the sun burned it off. Uh, that's right. how close. Well, it is yeah, to it, yeah. Right? Obviously, there's not any like you know life forms. That's not what I meant. I was I was talking right, more right, along right. the lines of like bacteria or, or something of that nature. It's just not possible. There. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's much too hot. I, I believe the average temperature is in the range of like a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. So, um, yeah, things don't tend to survive in that atmosphere. Right. Um, well, and so we have an fact- example with uh, Venus. Uh, uh-huh. We have an example with Venus when we sent something there, a probe. Um, Venus, I believe, is in the range of 800 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, okay. and it was only able to last about 20 to 30 minutes. Now, the catch with that one is is the air pressure, the atmospheric pressure. Uh, it was much greater than here on Earth. I'm wanting to say it's like 20 times greater. So it was really, it was crushed. It wasn't the... But in the case of having a satellite so close to the sun, you're dealing with the solar radiation, the heat... But there's there's an element of you you can actually see this in video uh, that's been recorded when there's no atmosphere between the device and the sun you have particles that will actually impact the, the lens you know these the, the the light photons and they will cause flashes when they impact the lens and the, the camera actually picks it up so you know there, there's an element of getting so close that you know the you're you're damaging the 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 craft just from the radiation from the sun. The fact that we can actually get something this close is, I mean, this is a new thing, right? This is not something that we've done before. So the fact we're able to get this close is uh, is quite shocking, right? Yeah, this is, a, this is a pretty big deal. If Mercury is, I mean, if it's in between Venus and Mercury, and that's about 800 to 1000 degree range in there, that means the craft is being exposed to, you know, these high heats, which is very damaging, uh, very damaging to silicone-based um, circuit boards. So yeah, there's some, probably some serious uh, heat shielding and, you know, uh, you know, the tech into this thing to allow it to get so close. It's absolutely fascinating. As we move into this uh, this era that we're looking at with with space travel and and all, all things of, of that nature, we're, we're actually I'm looking forward to them sending things like this to explore other aspects of our own solar system, because there's a lot about our own solar system we don't even know about. 
And mm-hmm. so for us to have the opportunity to go out and study this, I think you even mentioned on one of our, because we do so many of these with the talking about space exploration and stuff like that in the mornings, especially. And I love talking about it because it's fascinating. But I think you even mentioned that there's a lot about even our own sun that we do, we just don't know about. Yeah. I mean, if, if we can learn more about our sun and how the whole fusion fission process works, that will help us understand how to create a fusion reactor, for example. We have a test one that we're experimenting with currently. However, the problem with it is uh, they have to use lasers to initiate the, the fusion process. The problem is, is it consumes more energy than it's producing. And then once the reaction started, containing that reaction is is pretty difficult as well. You need very strong magnetic fields. You'll ha- you have a lot of neutron, uh, neutron radiation uh, that, that's emitted and you have to be able to absorb that, you know, and, and so th- there's a lot to it that we don't quite understand yet. And by as much it, it, sending the satellite in and getting as much data as we can on the sun, maybe that'll help us understand how to do it on a local level. Because if we get a fusion reactor here on the earth, that it, like our power needs are, are solved. Like for a very long time. Um, uh, the amount I of think, fuel it consumes is very little. I think we touched on it once before. Hydrogen plasma is not yes, a step. That, that's 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 what they're doing. Uh, that's what the fusion re- uh, reaction is. So they take one of the one of the things that they want to use is helium three and helium three. When you it, that's part of what the sun uses in the reaction. And helium three is broke down into hydrogen, and then hydrogens refused together into helium. The catch in, in this whole process is one of the hydrogen atoms is lost in this process. So it does burn fuel slowly, but that that's kind of the general concept of, of this. And that, that's why, you know, we need more information on this. How, how does this work? Right. So on and so forth. So understanding the surface of the sun, what's going on, uh, those kind of things. It may help us with the whole understanding how the reaction works and the things that we need to calculate or, or figure out, you know, how to fix and see how the sun does it to, to kind of understand it. And we're sending also a probe to an asteroid that's out in, in the uh, the asteroid belt here in our Milky Way galaxy, I heard as well. And it's going to cost more than, what was it, like uh, all the world GDP combined or something? I don't know about that one. I've heard of uh, a, shooting a, a satellite up to check out a comet, I think it was, and it could have been an asteroid, but then yeah, they eventually this essentially, smashed if the I, satellite into it. Yeah, if I remember, of- well, yes, we did that, but apparently this mm-hmm. other one, th- this other one that we're going to send out is, and I, I tell you what, we'd actually have, we'll probably just cover it tomorrow because we're almost out of time, but it's going to take like six years to get out there. And it's just it's just an exploratory probe or something of that nature. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's one of those things. And it's it's said to contain the asteroid is said to contain if we can mine it. <laughs> it was something like four quadrillion dollars or excuse me. Maybe it was like 40, quadri- 40 quadrillion dollars worth of gold was on it. Um, yeah, it sounds great. I mean, let's go. Let's go for <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> sounds great. Let's go. So, yeah, I tell you what, let's look into that and then we'll talk about it on tomorrow morning's show. Uh, because now I'm curious because I remember hearing something about that. I think it was like two or three days ago. And I thought, all right, yeah. But somehow or another, when we were digging through our stuff to come up with uh, our morning show, it just didn't come up. And I don't know why. But we'll have to uh, we'll have to jump into that tomorrow. But we are out of time this morning. So thank you for sitting down this morning, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. For all these topics and more, please check us out later on this afternoon. And I hope everyone has a great morning.